So as part of the EFO program, um, the first year you have to, I don't know, I've only been to the first year, so I don't know if they repeat it, but part of the two-week class at the NFA, you have to do a TED Talk. And they give you a few rules. It's got to be eight minutes long, but no longer than 12 minutes. It's got to tie into the program. They have a little four-by-four taped box on the floor that you can't leave. You can't use notes. And if you use a PowerPoint slide presentation, it can only have two slides on it. So those are the rules. And, And everybody has to come up with their... Here's their TED Talk. And I think really it's more about just getting up in front of the group and talking and preparing and, and obviously, you know. So the one that I chose to do was mentoring, uh, an experience that I had mentoring a firefighter at the station. So uh, this is what I had done, and we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, some of it. What's at the heart of being a mentor to someone? What is it that you do for that person you're trying to help grow? And how badly can one person screw it up? This story answers all three of those questions. It begins in 1985. A British Air Tours 737 burned up on the runway in Manchester, England, killing 53 of the 137 people on board. 53! And the plane's wheels never left the ground. During the investigation into what happened, questions about the passengers wouldn't go away. The ones that died were scattered all over the plane. Some died within feet of the emergency exit, while others who were farthest from the exits lived. So they conduct a series of experiments where they get a similar 737, fill it with test subjects, and then tell them all that the first 50 or so to exit the plane will get a cash prize. The findings were fascinating. 70% of the test subjects would try to get out, but order was preserved, and they would wait their turn to exit. We'll call them people. 15% of the people would do anything to get out. They'd push old ladies and kids, maybe even kill. We'll call them killers. The other 15% when standing within a foot of an open door couldn't step through it. They were literally unable to help themselves. We'll call this group Connor. Now Connor came to me in 2005. I was a new station captain leading a group of real go-getters. Some of these guys were legendary within our department. They were some of our department's killers. Nothing could stop them on scene. Connor was a perfect physical specimen, mid-twenties, over six feet tall, what you'd want in a firefighter. If they'd made a movie about our station, the guy that plays Thor would have played Connor. But what Connor had in physical abilities, he lacked in reasoning. His spirit animal was a deer in the headlights. I pushed the responsibility for mentoring Connor down to the drivers and firefighters in the station. After all, they were the authorities, but they struggled with Connor. He actually drove the ambulance out of the station and down the road with the compartment doors open on the driver's side. When he got back to the station, I pushed the authority back down and asked him for a solution. He proposed that he do a walk around every time he got into the truck. I agreed. Imagine my surprise when two weeks later he drove the ambulance down the street with the compartment doors open again. I can distinctly remember the sound of my fork dropping to my plate as I stood stunned and once again fumbled for my radio to call Connor and tell him over the air for all to hear, you've got a compartment door open again. Our station's street cred is at risk, and my reputation as an up-and-coming officer is in danger if I can't fix Connor. My killers can't make any progress. So at some point, you have to ask yourself, how did this guy end up in the fire service? Why is he even here? Depending on who you were listening to, the rumor was that Connor was dating or engaged to one of the deputy chief's daughters. So with that added pressure, and with no one else making any progress, I end up being Connor's mentor. In my head, Connor is that bottom 15% on the plane in England, 
fired his back, an open door with safety on the other side, he can't help himself. All he's got to do is step through the door and he'll be all right. But nothing I'm doing is getting him to take that step and start being like my other killers. So I decide that what Connor needs is very explicit direction. The problem must be with my communication abilities. One house day, one of our drivers sprays foamy disinfectant on one of the kitchen cabinet doors and makes a clean spot. It turns out that the cabinets that we thought were gray formica were actually white formica. Seventeen cans of foamy disinfectant later, and the cabinets are clean, but the floor is covered in two inches of gray foam. It's been a long house day, so to signal to everyone that we're done, I turn to Connor and say, Connor, go get a mop. Moments later, Connor returns with a mop. I ask Connor where the mop bucket is. Now, Connor's been mopping the station floor every morning since he got there. He knows this process. Anyway, he returns in about a minute with a mop bucket. Connor, and I'm developing this twitch in my left eye as I try to control myself. Connor, where is the water? I leave Connor with the task of mopping up the foamy mess. I don't tell him how to do it, but I make sure he understands the end goal. Connor, you're done when the water you wring out of the mop is clear. And then we leave to go to the store to get food for dinner. When we get back 20 minutes later, I'm walking through the station, headed to the kitchen, coming through the day room when I find Connor, feet up, in a recliner, watching Kung Fu Panda. The image is strangely reminiscent of watching my young sons watch their cartoons, but I dismiss it, but only for a few seconds. That is, until I continue into the kitchen and find the floor still covered in a gray film. To the left against the wall is the mop, in the bucket, with water as dark as if you'd been interrupted while mopping out the inside of a fireplace. In what wasn't my proudest moment, I chew Connor's ass for not finishing the job. He maintains that he did finish. I flex my bugles, and I leave him to finish again, but I don't go far away. I end up sitting in a recliner in the day room, cooling off. Kung Fu Panda is still on. I'm not really paying attention to the movie. I'm looking at the television, stewing over my failures to reach Connor, my failure to bring him up to our station standards, and that's when I start to pay a little more attention to what's going on in the movie. Shifu, the kung fu master charged with training the oafish panda to fight the ultimate bad guy, comes running up to the old turtle complaining that his task isn't doable, that the panda doesn't have the capability to be turned into the kung fu master. I start paying a little more attention. Now, Ugwe, the old turtle, tells Shifu that all he has to do is give up the illusion of control. Shifu argues with him that control is no illusion. I'm beginning to lean in at this point. Ugwe points out the peach tree above them and tells Shifu that you can't make the tree blossom before it's ready, or bear fruit when it suits you. Shifu counters by striking the tree and making all the peaches fall. He says, we can make the fruit fall. Then... He pits a peach and drives it into the soil, saying, We can control when and where the seed is planted. That is no illusion. I'm on the edge of my seat at this point. I'm a grown man in a fire station with some of the toughest firefighters I've ever known, and I'm watching a cartoon and taking leadership lessons. This wasn't on the recruiting poster. So, Shifu has planted this peach pit in an effort to demonstrate his ability to control, but Ugwe the old turtle calmly reminds him, that you can wish for an orange or an apple, but the seed that he just planted will grow into a peach tree. And at this point, I fall back into the recliner. All this time, I've been trying to make Connor into something he's never going to be. I was approaching my role as a mentor to him as turning him into one of us. I've been trying to make him into one of my killers. Connor is never going to be a killer. He'll never be in that 15%. 
And that's when I realize that's not what mentorship is about. Mentorship isn't about making someone into something they aren't. I can't change a peach into an apple or an apple into an orange. Mentorship is about developing the person you're mentoring into the best version of themselves that they can be. And Connor is a peach. I might wish for an apple or an orange, but Connor is a peach. So, am I now posting that to Twitter? <laughs> Not yet. You will later. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> work that out. Uh, yeah, so I really kind of screwed that up. I was trying to make him into something that he wasn't. How was it received by the EFA or NFA? EFO. I don't know. They give you a pass or a fail, and I got a pass. Oh, okay. So it's not graded by the other students. It's graded by some of the No, others. no. I mean, you present in front of the other students, but there's nothing. They don't chime <clears> in <throat> or anything like that. So in that scenario, did you – and I'm, we're going to talk about mentoring and coaching. Right. Right? So do you think you are a mentor or a coach in that as a station captain within the station? think we need to define those two things because I think I have a clear vision in my head. I just don't know what it's officially called. I think for, for me and the way I see it and believe it is that the station officer and or the battalion chief for that matter, they are coaches. You are a coach. I don't okay. see it as the mentor. That's to me is a little different situation. And the reason I say that is because a mentor, if, if I'm looking which is part of the key, I'm looking for a mentor. So I'm looking out there as an individual, and I'm, and I'm looking at someone that I, either I look up to based on historical knowledge or reputation, or I know that this person is super smart, and, um, <clears throat> and I'm reaching out to that individual. So say you, Hatch, are going to be – I'm interested in you being my mentor. And um, that person has to agree on it, too, because that person now has to say, yeah, I think I'd be interested in, in doing that. And the way I understand it and believe it is that what, what's happening is, is you're this knowledge base, right? And I'm trying to pull information from that knowledge base, not, not so that I can necessarily be exactly like you, but that I can put those experiences into what I know and believe and then and make myself grow. Hopefully that I have growth out of that. So the, the key is, is that I'm pulling that information out. That would be a mentor. The coach is, you're already the subject matter expert there. Connor is not the subject matter expert. He has no choice but for you to coach him through whatever the situation is, whether it's mopping or whatever. That That's how I see that, that, that okay. captain is the coach. Okay. I'm trying to wrap my head around what you just said. I won't remember it again. Well, I mean, bit, if I heard so. correctly, the mentor has kind of the responsibility of pulling what they need out of. I'm the mentee. The mentee has pulled, the responsibility right. of pulling stuff out of the mentor. Right. And, and the other thing is, and I, I read something about this. I'm not 100% on board, but I, it makes sense to me. In the mentee, mentee and the mentor relationship, both have really the opportunity at growth. The mentor is also going to have an opportunity to grow. <clears throat> not saying that the coach can't, because a coach can. If, if the coach is coaching individuals into how you do a process or whatever the case, case may be, somebody in that group's 
probably going to say or do something that you're going to be like, mm, I hadn't really thought about that like mm-hmm. that. So there'll be some growth in that also. But it's not necessarily what I would consider focused growth. It's just almost like happen chance growth. Okay. I think in, in if, if that's the definition that I was coaching. You were coaching or attempting to coach. Yeah. So the definition that was a of, loud exhale. Definition <laughs> of mentor, just looking it up, says I have to take his phone away. That defined is a trusted counselor or guide. That's a mentor? That's a mentor. Yeah, but that doesn't really tell us. But no, and, and then it goes on and so coaching and mentoring actually go, almost go hand in hand. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, cross up a I'm gonna jump on Shane for something. hoping. Not oh, really. There we go. Awesome. All right. So I'm not an expert in this either, by the way. It's just my opinion. That's my disclaimer. As a mentor, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to not really oppose what you said. So um, in a coaching situation, you're almost doing it by force. The coached doesn't have to agree. They don't have a choice. They have to be coached. In his situation, it wasn't like Connor came to him and said, I'd like you to be my mentor. Right. But he has to go and coach him to do his job. Exactly. And so the mentor part is the person is actually receptive. They're open to it. Whereas in the coaching, they're not necessarily open to it. Right. So that's, I'm, I'm, that's, You're exactly right. That would be one of the key uh, differentiators between the two. Right, right, but right. The mentor-mentee relationship has to be agreed on. No, it won't work without us. So who well, initiates? It's, coaching it's, does it's not. a two-way conversation. Who initiates the mentor-mentee? Mentee needs to. Uh, no, probably, probably, yeah. I can see it going both ways. But. Because let's say that, let's just say from an arrogant standpoint, I consider myself a mentor, which means that I am all knowing, all understanding, and I am going out there and I'm going to look for somebody that needs my help. I'm really getting into a coaching role at that point. Mm-hmm. I'm not being a mentor. Somebody has to come to me and just, and it's almost not as formal as. Trosh, I would like for you to be my mentor. It almost starts from this little very organic seed planted conversation and relationship. Right. I agree I, with that. I have a qu- I have a question, you know, blah, 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 and you provide that answer. Right. And then I have another of, question. Right. right. And then you back and forth. You, right. sometimes you ask you, that question because I believe you have the answer. But I think sometimes you don't even know that you are the mentor. Yeah, I think you're exactly it, it just right. kind of yeah. it, it highlights itself later. That happens in in the space that is a vacuum where there isn't a formal mentor. Uh, program right, so I know I've been involved. So there in are one mentor that program. Have mentor yeah, programs. well, they'll say, you know, hey, this is going to be your mentor, right? And pretty much, your this is your go-to person. They're going to help you through this entire thing, and I so. But that's problematic, and the reason it's it problematic could, is because the mentor-mentee relationship to be what I would consider the most effective is is a relationship has to be there, and if I just randomly assign uh, this guy's going to be your mentor. And I assume that you guys are going to be able to connect. If you don't, then it's, it's not going to be a mentor relationship. Right. It's going to turn into a coaching relationship. If, if a relationship If it all. even does anything. Right. Exactly. So, you know, uh, we talked off air. Do we have a formal one? And I, I was in a program that had a mentorship program, and they, they assigned me a mentor. And I think I had two emails from that guy in a year's process two times. Yeah, that's not a mentor. So, exactly. No input whatsoever. That's not even a good coaching. Right, right, right. Just and so absent. I was thinking, too, about the coaching versus mentoring. The coach shows somebody how to do something. 
the mentor explains why we do it. You know, it's that conversation to have back and forth with them. Yeah, know? to mentor to me is a, is a gives a base operation or a, ba- a foundation of how do I work through this problem myself? Like, I have this situation, whatever it is, and I go to you and I say, um, what's your, what do you think about whatever? You know, I'm not telling you exactly the situation. I'm just giving you some parameters. Right. And and whatever you tell me, I am now taking that information and just kind of formulating my own. What's the best way to handle this? Right. Right. But if I went to you and I said, "Hey, I've got this situation. What would, what would you, you do?" do? Right. And you say, "I tell you what you do. You make damn sure so and so does this. This that is coaching. That's coaching. Almost like when we're going out and we're doing training classes. You're training people. They got to be there." You got a subject matter. You're going to deliver it. Well, I think a lot of our mentoring happens on a daily basis without it being formalized. So it has no formality to it. Whether somebody, where somebody has eyes on you and ears on you, and you are having an impact on their perception, their decision making, how they view things, and more often than not, you may find out later on how much of an impact you're having on that person you're a mentor but you don't realize it because you're right it is it's not formal i've never hey, I, I have a problem mentor? with the whole formal mentorship program right. i have a problem with that because i'm not sure again this is just my thoughts i'm not sure that true mentorship can come from a Formality kind of concept. I just don't think it's like an arranged marriage. Right. It's just, it's just <laughs> right, to me. That's our everyday, though. I'm I not mean, saying you can't learn from. I think you're back to the the argument of can you teach leadership? No, people are born with leadership. No, no, a mentor mentee relationship has to be organic and grow on its own, and we can't create that. I don't think that's true. I think you can create it. I think you probably can at least create the ability to recognize that a relationship, a mentor-mentee relationship could exist. Sure. But, again, I, I think about Roswell. It's such a great... I think there's probably more mentor-menteeing going on in Roswell than any other department. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is I because it, you end up with this just... this Melting pot. Really, this melting pot. And no one's necessarily thinking, oh, this person's got it all together here, or this person's got it all together there. But these ideas are being thrown out there. And really what's happening are the ideas that are thrown out there or, or questions that are being asked are real life things that are going on in their department. Right. And they're they're asking people like Hatch and Pabell, like, you know, this situation's happening, and then you give your experience into that or your thought process, and you give your experience into that. And they're not necessarily going and doing exactly what you said or what you said, but they are letting that influence how they go and uh, deal with that particular situation. That, to me, is more of a mentoring, mentee kind of relationship. I agree, and I think that happens quite a bit, even with um, whether you're becoming a new officer you're a new firefighter or you're new to the dynamics of, you know, working alongside some of the high caliber people that we have and how do you navigate that water, you know, when your reputation's at stake. Uh, and we'll get a lot of stuff, even career-based too, where you're saying, hey, I, I'm moving uh, 
in another direction? I mean, some people are moving towards doing something completely different or uh, I want to go further in my fire career. I just got put into a new officer's role. So all of that, you mentioned it, all of it is usually somebody pursuing you versus you right. saying, raising your hand and Let going, Let me tell hey, you what you guys yeah, should be doing. I'm going to mentor you real quick. <laughs> right. Everybody right. stand down for some right. knowledge. Well, right. I think, too, here uh, for Roswell that you're bringing up, one of the great things is the vast majority of people, no matter what their experience level, what their rank is, wherever they come from, they check their ego at the door. Yeah. And it's a very open environment to come and ask questions and learn from each but other. Is it the environment or were those people chosen to be part of this department because they're already that way? So one of the interesting things about how our process goes is how we onboard has a lot to do with it which is you when you apply they're asking all the peers mm-hmm. how yeah. do you feel about this individual that's what i'm saying is are you are you already is it the environment that causes people to check their ego or are you picking people who already don't have an ego oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah no because no, there's yeah, lots I, of egos. yeah there's a lot of egos there's a lot of egos, but the pro, it's, it's like I always say, it's, it's leaders leading leaders. you got so many uh, high-caliber people that you almost have to check your ego at the door because if you don't, somebody's going to check it for you because there's too many expertise uh, levels here where you're going to throw something point. out there and somebody's going to throw that flag out real quick. So no matter how high-caliber you are, how experienced, how knowledgeable, educated, and all that stuff, uh, you just got to be extremely cautious because somebody will throw the flag out in a heartbeat. So you, you have to bring the most hated man in the department. You do bring up a good point about the ego, though, mm-hmm. and I think it's probably something that we should make a point to. Whether Roswell uh, uh, it just creates an environment where people check their ego, or they hire people that check their ego. If you start talking about and doing some self reflection, that is one of the things you need to do. Yeah. Whether you're mentor, mentee, coaching, coacher, coachy, whatever, you have to be able to check your ego. Um, the comment that was made, that was a nice flush, wasn't it? That was. Um, the comment that was made uh, on Facebook about um, uh, ego being a barrier because you act like you already know anything, that was kind of a co- condensed version of ego is a problem. We've talked about it in our uh, combat ready class of the ego is this really this major barrier because it does create this situation where it is that that block of growth like it's very difficult for you to grow if your ego is already so big you think you know everything there's no way scare the crap out of me so, but it's also unfortunate because some of them don't know right that but Roswell's just a good like environment to check those things because you have those personalities right. that are going to pop that ego real quick but think about the environments that Hatch. you're in that'd be Hatch. yeah, Hatcher. <laughs> uh that and not taking the subject in the leadership but very similar to leadership where somebody thinks that they are a great leader and 95 percent of the people around them are laughing when they say that the same thing goes here where you have someone that thinks they have humility they're humble but everyone around them sees them as an egotistical individual. So it's almost like uh, I think you do have to have the hatches and stuff around to let you know. Because a lot of it said sometimes people won't. I personally think it's unfair. I think if you, it doesn't mean it's a flaw, 
but you need to have the ability to put somebody in check to go, you're running with your ego here. And sometimes a lot of us will do that in the fire service and there's no checks and balances. And I think some of those people are running around and they have no idea that the people around them are looking at them going, you just... So ego, getting back to the mentor coaching aspect, ego ends up being a blocker there no matter what. I mean, so if I have, I'm a, I'm a mentee, right? And I'm looking for a mentor, but I'm just so full of ego. Like I already know everything. You'd be looking for a mentor if you're that full yourself. But I've got some formal process that has forced this mentorship process. It's not going to work. Well, I mean, let's take Bill's example. You know, if his ego was out of control, he could have sat there and not even bills. Yes, the, the scenario he just read off. If if his ego had been out of control, the sitting there, he would have never gleaned any inspirational leadership from the movie. I mean, he took something that typically you wouldn't think was a plot at all, but because he was searching for answers still and not letting his ego you know, just focus on the fact that Connor, there's something wrong with Connor, there's something wrong with Connor, he was... Turning it into himself and you know taking ownership of it, I'm like, where am I failing? You know, he he didn't let his ego get it out of control, right. which I think is a great thing. That well, I think it is too. It's probably is, a missed piece of that. Every leader is going to fail, going to struggle. You know, you're not going to be able to reach every person, and I just think people have to to grasp that they, so, you know, that, that you're going to have those challenges that you have to start looking at. I still have to grow. I still got to right. do things. Let me challenge you with a question, real quick, and, oh, and I know all the listeners can put a name in their mind right now of a super egotistical person or someone that they perceive as having a tremendous ego and very full of themselves and their capability to perform, but yet they are mentoring at a very high capacity to a lot of people. So you have some people that are seeking out. You have some people that are seeking out direction. No, they're not no, mentoring. I'm they're coaching. Either. Oh, I'm not even saying there may be influencing because I yeah. think you better be careful to mix. Be careful to mix influence. Do we look mentoring. that one up? Could we have this actual <laughs> formal process? And that person may not necessarily be mentoring thousands of people, but he is influencing, influencing. thousands of people. Right. Because, and I'll say the, when we go back to that, there has to be a give and take. Right. That that's not happening. Right. With that, I got with, you. with those guys that are super egotistical, that is not happening. It's you talking down to and, and passing on, influencing, as he's saying. The mentoring comes in where you almost are on the same level. They don't feel that, you know, being talked down to. They're talking with. Humility has to be present. Yeah. Trust has to be present. Relationship, relationship has, has to, be to be present. present. Where with coaching, it does not. Right, because you're basically telling them how, how to do this, you know. Whether it's uh, formal authority given, uh, rank authority, right. what, whatever the case may and be. And I think that the reason. That doesn't mean they respond well to it. It's just. <laughs> this is like the quietest bills ever been. We're like, well, he's, he's getting ready, ready to like vomit. Train he's getting ready to vomit a dissertation. He's probably fixing I to shoot everyone. for eight else. minutes straight at the beginning of this. So. <laughs> yeah, but this is good discussion. Um, so, what are we telling the younger firefighters? If we're telling, and I, I'm kind of summing up some of the things but number one we've said that the mentee seeks out the mentor all right so this is going to bring in some other so, things you know going into the millennial generation and so i know you don't like that term but, yeah. but there's nothing wrong with millennials but one of the things is and i read an article that i thought was great it talked about the millennial generation was the first generation that did not have to go through an authority figure to gain information they get it off the internet. They they just do whatever. Before they had to go okay. through a librarian, a, a teacher, uh, a parent, blah blah blah. Now they can just look it up. But there's some things that they still need to develop that relationship, and they have a difficult time developing that with 
those. So I think it's still the, the mentor's job to slow it down, get to know these individuals, talk to them about their lives and stuff. Don't always just wait Maybe for that guy. Maybe the mentor's to, relationship or responsibility in that situation is not necessarily to provide technical expertise, but it's more to provide that emotional expertise, how you deal with people, how you interact with individuals. It's not necessarily that I'm going to tell you something and you're going to be technically better. I may teach you how to connect with people so that you can take your technical know-how right. and then spread it. Well, you I, see what I'm saying? That could be that yeah, mentor um, doing that. I think it, even so we got caught up in the beginning of explaining and defining, and I know for me it's always a big deal because I need to know the definition so I can kind of track but when we get caught in the middle of that and you have some people that are new to the fire service and they're trying to figure out what the hell difference to make, you know, mentor, mentoree and all that is there kind of is no greater honor to have in your career than somebody to choose you as a mentor. And they're not going to tell you necessarily, hey, I'm choosing you as a mentor. So with that being said, uh, a lot of people are mentors, may not realize it. And you're having a tremendous amount of impact and influence over people's decision and what they do and how they do things from career goals to daily lives at the firehouse, you know, being active, training, just the whole entire thing. So most of us, I think, to some degree, have somebody we're mentoring, even if we don't realize it. And the significance that it has is, they're watching your actions, what you do, how you behave, how you've achieved the things you've achieved, or why you're respected the way you're respected. So it's a tremendous amount of responsibility, and it's an honor if somebody's chosen you and you don't even know that you've been chosen for the most part. And I think usually that doesn't come out till way later, uh, that something comes out where they say, hey, you know, I appreciate you. You've really been helping me through all this, and you don't realize how much of an impact you've had right. in their career and you know, we keep kind of going around the firehouse thing, but in all actuality, even in the personal lives, because a lot of the personal stuff bleeds into the firehouse and these discussions take place and we'll have four or five people around talking. They're actually really paying attention to one individual who they consider that mentor. So we, it, as I listen, I say, you know, through my career, the mentors that I have chosen, Really, it's a huge honor to them that they lived a lifestyle, whether professionally or personal, that you would choose them. So you've you touched on something that really kind of made me think a little bit different tack on this. But I can there are several people who have come to me and remember conversations with me that we had a year or two years ago that apparently impacted them way more than I ever thought mm-hmm. I was giving. And it, it tends to come up when I meet people who have been in the department for two or three years and they go, no, you were on my interview panel and you really raked me over the coals on my answer on blah. And I'm like, Shh, I don't remember that at all. Oh, you I can know? totally see that. But where I'm going with that is, is that just like you're, you're talking about, Babel, you're talking about people the, the, that being chosen, I think we also need to be very concerned, or not concerned, very aware of the fact that in those moments when somebody has chosen you, when you don't know it yet, that that new firefighter has come into, let's say, the chief's office and is asking a question, and in his mind or her mind, that's their moment 
I am with the person that I wanted to be. This is the person I've chosen to mentor me. And you think it's just a little, here's so-and-so. I don't even remember this person's name. Right. What do you need now? You know, I can't, you know, I can't believe you're asking me that, you know. How long have you been out of the academy? You should know that. And you don't recognize it as that's their moment. Right. You're shutting the door on them. You have completely, you know, and I I mean, I, I, not to go personal, but I mean, I, there are uh, conversations that I've had with my mother back when I was a kid, um, when my parents were going through their divorce. She has no recollection of those, those conversations. And to me, they were, they were so impactful that I can remember where I was, uh, you know, what, what car we were sitting in. I mean, it's, it's as vivid as it can be. And it, for me at the time, it was a huge thing. And I think we end up missing those opportunities. Well, I want to say two things on that. I think we have to be careful underestimating or overestimating True. what we're talking about impact. Because we could all have impact one time with one person, just exactly like Correct, you're saying. Right. That's not a mentor-mentee kind of no. thing. That's just what just that event. But with that being said, I think it is important for us, and I, I try to take this important, and, and really you hit it home for me just a few minutes ago. Every single day, whether I like it, you like it, Hatch likes it, Bill likes it, you're being interviewed as a potential mentor. They may not connect it like that, but they know that the one time that I sit down with Bill, if the connection is there or did Bill just blow me off? Right. You know, they, they landed in my office and what was your name again? You know, I I did something to just totally turn the situation off instead of, um, making a conscious effort to remember that I have the potential, you have the potential to make an impact and it is this interview process for a mentor, mentee relationship kind of thing. Agreed. And there's the great thing with mentoring, specifically in, in the fire services, there is no rank. There is no tenure. There is no level of experience. There is no specific training. It's, so it's not something to go, well, I can't do that or I'm not doing that. It could happen at any point of your career. So you can't say, I don't mentor. Uh, or I'm not a role or, model. Or I'm not a role right. model. There is no rank. And I learned, no that yeah, I learned that here. Yeah, I learned that here. I've actually had that conversation several times, you know, with drivers. And I said, you know, a rookie coming in can't see himself years down the road being me, being a chief. But he does see himself to be in the next level, being that driver. So the guy he's watching and he's modeling himself after or using as an informal mentor is you. So how you dress, how you act, how you talk, he's taking all the cues from you, not from me. And, and reinforcing every one of them. Right, right, right. So I thought, like, if you don't like how they're acting, they pretty much got it from you. I'm like, so, yeah, loser. So in that, that everybody and everybody that's listening in a fire service. Both of them. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 50% of our listeners are actually civilians. <laughs> Peyton and Ashley. Anybody that has a... Anybody that has an, an opportunity to be a mentor, which is basically what we've just said, everybody. Um, my, the quote that I love, that I keep coming back to, and this is what I have to remind myself when somebody shows up in my office that I don't necessarily think should be there. Or, you know, at first glance, the first thing that pops in my head is, why are you here? I've told you how to deal with this, you know, or you should be going through this route, you know, whatever. That's what the the 
gut reaction is, and then I try and check myself. And the quote is from Colin Powell, leadership is solving problems. The day that soldiers stop bringing you their problems is the day that you've stopped leading them. They have either lost confidence that you can help or concluded that you do not care. Either case is a failure of leadership. And I have to kind of constantly remind myself, if they're coming to me, they have chosen for whatever reason to come to me. And right or wrong, they chose it, just like they're going to choose that mentor, just like they're going to, you know. It doesn't mean that I'm the the person to solve their problem necessarily, because there's plenty of them that you talk to and you say, look, this is, I think, you know, maybe you do this a different way. Or you don't necessarily give them the answer like a coach would. You're, you're giving them the, you start that series of questions where right. you kind of lead them to where they, they, you wanted them to be in the first place. So that's one of my favorite quotes, actually. And then I know there's another one where he goes on and he talks about uh, having follow you even if out of curiosity. And you're 100% right because, you know, you're – I see it as an opportunity for you to really impact somebody's life in a positive way. And sometimes we – We've all probably done it and don't even realize it where somebody's been sitting right there and walks into the room and uh, you don't give them the time of day. And recently, I actually heard uh, somebody gave me some advice on that and said, uh, especially, so I'm high functioning, doing 50 million things at one time and I have a hard time sitting still. So people come in and out of the office or whatever, or I'm having a discussion with somebody, I may be doing multiple other things to, uh, to keep occupied and stay working. And somebody made mention to me, uh, if somebody's coming to you for your attention, they deserve it, give it to them. And it kind of kicked me in the gut because it's, you know, I'm thinking, I'm paying attention to you, but I'm doing multiple things and I have to get some work done. But in all actuality, I'm being extremely disrespectful. And it's something that I'm working on to be cautious of is to go, they're seeking you out. They're giving you their attention. They deserve yours in return. Uh, And I think, speaking for myself, sometimes I could do a poor job of just stopping everything and focusing and going, you got me for this time. And I know sometimes that could be difficult because you have stuff to do. And it's like, all right, you can't put them on a clock either and say, you got 15 minutes and then I got to do some work. Uh, That's definitely the tough spot is mm -hmm. to be able to – pull back from whatever you're doing and give that 100% to that individual so that they feel like they're getting 100%. And that's definitely something I have to focus and work on it. Sometimes I do okay. And sometimes I'm yeah, I fail out of pretty, pretty often, but I'm working on it. I know, uh, I'll tell you a uh, doctor that uh, I have a great deal of respect for. I'll never forget about two years ago, we were out somewhere and my, one of my buddies came into a, a, an event that we were all attending and uh, my buddy works for another department, doesn't know him from anything. Doctor stops in his track, comes over to me. Hey, Bell, how are you? How's everything going? Introduce me to your friend. And actually gives, you know, talks to us for about five minutes, and then he goes off. I'll never forget my buddy going, I can not believe that guy took the time to just stop, say hello to me, and talk. It just blew him away. So sometimes you're sitting in a position where there's a company officer, a chief, or wherever you are, even a senior firefighter, where giving somebody five minutes of your time, focused five minutes of your time if you think about it today's day and age you can't give somebody a minute without being on the phone or somebody ringing because you're a constant access so that's something that for 2019 i've actually 
try to set a goal for myself to pay close attention. I'm off to a crappy start, but I am trying. <laughs> sure, I, honestly, I am working on it. <laughs> but it goes into the mentoring thing where I, I you know, uh, heck, it may be somebody that's sitting there that I need some mentoring from that I'm shutting yeah, down. You know, you probably just, could have yeah. the opportunity to learn from that individual. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right, switching gears a little bit. So let's take Connor. So, Connor, you know, you were trying to turn him into an apple or an orange, but he's going to be a peach. Connor didn't pick me. Right, right, right. But you still have him. Yeah. He's not going anywhere. No, he's still part still of it. Still got to do something with him. Yeah. So, and I, I guarantee you there's people, the, the two people listening, there's one of them has <laughs> the situation that they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So, what, what advice do we give them for that? I think, can I chime in first? No, no, no. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. I'm still and I'm totally going to steal this from Bill because I think the oh, takeaway. Oh, that's why you want to do it first before you want to do it? Yeah, because I'm going to steal I think the takeaway for me is, and it doesn't necessarily mean you fix Connor or that you even get the results you want, but for you personally or for me personally, just just the the fact and the concept of being able to recognize that that is not an apple. You want an apple. Apples work good in this situation, but you have a peach. So you better figure out how to deal with the peach. I think that, to me, is the takeaway. It's just being able to differentiate the fact that it's not an apple. It's a peach. And it's not to say that people can't grow. Right. You're not stuck with somebody... But you're still going to be a peach. You're going to be a high-functioning peach. Exactly. You can get them to be the best peach that they're going to be. You can get them to be the best apple that they're going to be. But you can't create... You know, it's the what's the other saying? You can't send your uh, you can't send your ducks to eagle school or whatever. You know, I mean, it's a duck. It's not gonna be an eagle. So, would the argument if someone ever said, "Man, he turned out to be a a great apple," or we turned him into an apple? Right. The reality was, he probably was an apple. He's just a dirty apple. Yeah. Or it had a lot of shit on it, and it needed to be cleaned up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? They, yeah. It's easy to think, "Oh, I turned this peach into an apple." Right. No, you probably did. Well, it was always an apple. Yeah, so, I mean, and we I've had this conversation, you know, when obviously used the old uh, Kung Fu Panda analogy, which is awesome, actually. It is great. Uh, I, I would talk about I can't put courage in somebody's heart, you know. If they come in as a lamb, I can't turn them into a lion. Right. You know, it just isn't going to happen. But the, what I can do is develop a relationship with them where they feel bad about letting me down personally because I found out about them and, you know, what makes them tick. And they, they've talked to me or whatever. But if you're always coming at them and it's like, you're not doing your job, you're not doing your job. You can only kick them so much. You know, you're not really going to get what you're looking for out of them. You know, I think people run into that a lot of times. So, so to your point, you know, you have to deal with them at the level that they're at, and realize that not everybody approaches the job, you know, our job, or really any job, the same way. You know, it's not as easy as I'm in charge, you're a subordinate. I tell you what to do, you do your job, and right. we go home. It's never that simple. And Hatch, you said this a few years ago, and I actually just mentioned it to Nicole, my wife, in a conversation we were having. It is hard work to be a good leader. It's exhausting. It's a, that's exactly what I told her. I said, it is exhausting. And took your words. I gave you credit for it. I won't do it again, but I gave you credit for it. <laughs> that was three. That was three. After this, I own, I own it. it. It is exhausting to break down individuals and learn the individual so you can deal with the individual. Because right. we're so programmed to go for the group is so much easier. This, this is how I'm... Two to three people have an issue, and we're going to go ahead and blast the entire group and come up with a game plan for the group. It takes a lot of effort, a lot of hard work to say, 
here's how this individual thinks, works, operates, and and kind of break each individual down and give give technically what you're doing is almost you're giving each one a different recipe for how you're going to handle the same problem. Right. Now you may have two or three that are alike and you can kind of group those together but for the most part it is absolutely exhausting to go well how am I going to deal with this for that person. Most people don't and I think that uh, it is difficult, time consuming and I think most people don't and that's where you get a lot of uh, odds with with the crews going well you know this how can you have one person, one leader, and you have this guy thinks you're amazing and this guy thinks you're an ass? Because well, you're playing several ch- uh, games of chess all at the same time mm-hmm. with each one yeah. of a different individual, you know, trying to figure out their moves and your moves and stuff yeah. like that. You know, it's never just that. Bl- I mean, you can do the shotgun approach and stuff, but to me, I think you kind of fail as a leader a little bit on, on a lot of that. And it's exhausting. It is exhausting. All right, so what if we told the, the new firefighters? We're telling them, seek out that mentor? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. seek them out and, you know, put yourself out there a little bit to, to develop a relationship with somebody that, you know, that you think, you know, may have it together a little bit or that you admire or whatever. And, you know, talk to them and ask them the questions and, you know, be open to their criticism, not not that it's going to be, uh, you know, not everybody's going to tell you that you're doing a great job. I mean, right. you know, it, they're going to be tell times that you, that you things you need to work on. Sometimes it's tough to take it, but you know, suck it up, I, be, I a, would, uh, be a big boy, and move on. I'd also tell that firefighter when you say firefighter, you know, we just think that uh, newer firefighter, but we have those uh, older head firefighters, sure. you know, that ten year firefighter. What I would tell them in this situation is that you too are being quote-unquote interviewed for mentor program Mm -hmm. and you should think about that just because you're a firefighter or you know a master firefighter or whatever we call them senior firefighters that doesn't you know you don't think okay when i get to be a captain then i'm going to be a mentor that doesn't work like that there's going to be always someone watching you and interviewing you so to speak so which that brand new firefighter is a mentor to somebody that's not a firefighter. Yeah, but somebody that's putting the application in. That yep. brand new firefighter may be a mentor to somebody that is a firefighter because it's it, it just, it, I'm telling you, well, it crosses a lot of boundaries. And I'll tell you, I think you should have multiple. I don't think you should be, you know, mentored by an individual. I think you should, there, there's a lot to be said by having different personalities and different, uh, different people impacting your life for whatever strengths they have so i have a lot of mentors in my life for a lot of different reasons because they have a lot of different strengths so when i'm looking for particular things there's different people that are going to have more of an impact on that subject matter because that's what i'm seeking them out for so if we go down to the fire service and you're going you know i just want to be a good solid firefighter get all the right skills the experience you know that the firehouse um, life. There's certain mentors that are going to do that, and then there's cert- certain ones that are going to be more career based. Of what are you doing within your career? How are you moving? How are you moving through the uh, ranks? What are you doing to, to uh, prepare yourself for the next step? So there's just I think there's just a, a lot of different levels of mentorship, and I would say for me, I've always been 
lucky to have multiple mentors, although they may not know that they are the mentors. They are mentoring me throughout my career. And there's certain ones that I'll seek out very specific for issues that I know they can give me the right direction for. So I would highly recommend, and I don't care what level you're at, you could be the head of a fire department, top dog in the fire department. It doesn't matter. You're not free of mentorship either. Everybody should have something that's right. someone they can go to. So let me ask this. Uh, the three of you have all, if I say mentor, you've all got somebody in your in your mental history that you immediately think of as a mentor to you? Mm-hmm. Hatch is shaking his head no. It'd be hard for me to shame taking pinpoint in that formal kind of setting. I, th- I agree more with what Trosh was saying. I think there's a lot of people that have mentored me okay. along the way, and maybe I just they didn't realize it. Okay, I so, can think of a. Uh, I have a lot, but I have Pavel's one that's specific. Pavel's got it. You said you've changed. You've got people that have mentored you. Is that right? Yeah, they. I probably stole from them. They just didn't know it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to work for what I'm about maybe to that's ask what, you. Hatch, you have you don't have anybody. This is a setup. Is... We're about to get hit with something. No, yeah. I'm I'm kind of more like Shane would say. Right. Well, you know, maybe, maybe this will work. Collected from a bunch of people. Maybe this is just a question for Babel. When you look back at take one one of those, Babel, you said you have multiples. I've got multiples. You look back at those people that have mentored slash influenced whatever you want to call it, and you think of the one thing that that person mentored you on that immediately comes to mind when you think of them as that mentor that conversation i remember us having that conversation was it a conversation where they were telling you you're you're better than what you're doing right now was it an uncomfortable conversation for you the one that it comes to my mind immediately was that and it started making me think was that person a mentor to me or was did that person at that particular point impact me very much so. But isn't that what a mentor should do? Is recognize that right now you need to hear this. Sometimes I, a good question. I, had, I don't know. So there's it's not a, a it's really not good. a touchy feely relationship sometimes. Sometimes they're telling you hard things yeah, that you don't want to hear. Don't want to hear. Depending on the mentor, you know, so I've had when you mentioned it immediately what ran to my head is a conversation of total trust to go here's what we're going to do and here's why we're doing it and I felt wow you're allowing me to go down this road with you and entrusting me with it right. and then there's other conversations that I've had with different mentors where you're pretty much getting your ass handed to you and, and you don't even realize hey you're you're being mentored right here so I could see it from both sides but I could tell you the uh, the one that stood out to me the most for an individual in specific is uh, almost like a instant establishment of trust where they empower you and entrust you with something that you wouldn't expect. Okay. Mm-hmm. I do Does that make sense? I think of, you do what? I, I thought of somebody. Now. It took okay. me a little while. But. And, I, and I, I was going to say, you guys, I had actually told somebody they were overconfident in their abilities. They weren't nearly as good at their job as they thought they were. Was that tough enough for them? Well, no, the point isn't, isn't being tough. It Was it the right thing to tell that person at the time? Was uh, it what they needed to hear? To well, make them better. He doesn't get to choose that. No, I don't. That's you know, part of that. They didn't take it well, I can tell you that. I, I mean, I can think of three people that I would consider mentors, and all three of them, the first thing that I can think of that comes to mind are instances where they told me, you're wrong for thinking the way that you're thinking. Basically. 
that's what it, the conversation ended up being. So it was a, it started off as a negative, or not negative, but they were one of them specifically said that he agreed with me that I wasn't wrong, but, but you need to change you need to change the way you're thinking, or you're not going to survive in, right. in your current situation. We can't talk about that. I'm curious now. Could we all learn from it? I think for a lot of people, maybe younger firefighters, my concern is that they feel that the mentor-mentee relationship is supposed to be a warm and cuddly one. And it's not always going to be that. Correct. The point is, is that sometimes you are going to be told things that you're not either ready to hear or not willing to hear. And it doesn't necessarily make them wrong. You've really got to think about it and take and, and look at it and say, here's what this person's saying. Are they, where am I with this? Because it didn't it took me a while to get okay with what he was telling me. Right. But I eventually did. And I'm glad I did. Did it, did it uh, was that person uh, were you already considering them a mentor? No, or are you probably, looking at that back time, now? I probably would not have. But I, I okay. think it, now I consider that person a mentor. But at not the, just at the of that. time, but you weren't. Right. That but wasn't a formal in your no, mind no. mentor. Pro, I wondered if that would have damaged it. No, but I mean, I, I could think of another one. You know, uh, and he's he's actually been on our podcast, Marty Green. You know, when I was I was in a particular division of the department, I'd been there for quite a few years, and. He flat told me in a very frank way one day, you, they are not going to erect a statue to you out in the parking lot. When you die at your desk of a heart attack, they're not going to erect a statue. And that was a kick in the gut. Every one of us better remember that. An absolute kick in the gut. And all he was trying to say was, it's time for you to get out of there and get something else. Go somewhere else in the department. You've done what you can do in that area. Marty might have been just being selfish. <laughs> Love you, Marty. There's a there's a whole dynamic to the mentor mentee that uh, might just be selfish. So, who mentors Hatch? That's a great question. Do we get to decide? Nope. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's. Well, we could take a Imagine shot at what one that Marvel person character. Must look like. Do one Marvel character that would uh, that would mentor Hatch. Do we tell you who it would be? The, yeah. The, the one that's probably that I would find most influential. Willie Tanks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good one too. Yep. Yeah, and you know why? I admire that guy in so many, yeah, so many regards awesome. because he just awesome. drops that knowledge or that wisdom on you, and you don't even realize that it's really kind of happening because he's just kind of throwing it's it out there. And so you work your way benevolent yeah. right. on so many levels too. So yeah, yeah. Just hashtag mind Jedi tricks. <laughs> yeah, I agree well, and that. that's I'd, I'd say that's one of those things that Marty, in the same way, was very good at, not just with me but with other people was his ability to tell people things that they didn't necessarily want to hear and they'd come away from right. it thinking feeling was great, great about yeah. it yeah. feeling absolutely just great got my hand handed to me and uh, yeah. I loved it yeah it's awesome so anyway well yeah good that's a good conversation yeah, it is well Whenever we want to end it, we're like, okay, well, next. Well, that's how the conversations go. When you hear four wells, well, then it's it, the, that's all we got. It's, it's pretty much over. That's the voting process. Well, 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 well. and it's a close. <laughs> we hope everybody has. I enjoyed it. Something from whether it. they did or not. Yeah, yeah. it was a. Uh, I don't know. It was a discussion. Yeah. 
So send us your thoughts on mentoring or being a mentee or uh, whatever on Facebook or Twitter. And uh, if you got an idea for a show, absolutely reach out to us. Um, yeah. Well, well. see you next time. <laughs> Bye.